reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb, both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. But he bent over and looked in. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father, and to your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Father, we are grateful and thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that um, you surprised everyone that morning, even though you told them ahead of time that the Son of Man must die, give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, I pray that you would continue to surprise us because you're a good and gracious God. Wake those of up who are asleep. Open those of us who eyes who can't see. Open our ears to listen. Help us to hear. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So family and friends and guests, and 95% of the time when we gather on Sunday morning, maybe even higher, I am preaching through a specific passage in the Bible. We go to that passage and continue on from the week before, work our way through, sometimes verse by verse, sometimes word by word, chapter by chapter at least, but we're not going to do that today. today. I just want to share with you some personal stories from my life about the effect of the resurrection. 
I want to talk to you about the living Jesus. I want to talk to you about how he has apprehended my life, how he has found me, and what he's doing in my life. And I want to I would just call these this sermon Encounters with the Living Jesus. And I want to point to Jesus for you throughout just my normal days. I consider myself a pretty simple guy. I don't have many answers. I don't even know all the questions. But I'm learning that Jesus does. And I'm learning to trust him. I may be a pastor, but I'm just a student. I'm just a learner in the life of learning what it means to trust Jesus, learning what it means to walk with him, learning what it means that he is living. He's alive. He rose from the dead, and he lives. When I was a young boy, I had a dream of being a Canadian Mountie. I still dream of that, and um, some days I believe I am a Canadian Mountie. And I also dreamed of working in the wilderness at some point, and I, I enjoy it. I actually wrote a letter. Some of you might know that. I wrote a letter to the National Park in Canada when I was just a little kid, and actually sent me back a letter and said, Two problems, young man, but we're glad for you. One is you're not a Canadian citizen. And number two is you're only 12. And so I've been waiting uh, for my Canadian citizenship and uh, to get old enough to do that kind of work. But I, I was thinking about it. I said, why did I want to go to the wilderness? And one is I don't do well with people. And I'm not necessarily a people person. And I'm still thinking about in the growing process, right, in the process of growing up. And I did love the wilderness. I thought, I'm going to do fine on my own. Maybe I should be alone. But God had something very different in mind. God had something very different in mind. So the other day, I was driving on my way to a meeting. And I had a little extra time. So I stopped in at the Senior Citizen Center. And Kay works there. And I had an opportunity to just go in and visit her. And while I was there... To my great excitement, guess what showed up? The food truck that needed to be unloaded. And I was just like going, oh, the timing. So I was able to go and help unload the food truck. And I parked my car on Main Street. And I, had to, I helped unload the food truck. Then I went around to the bank because I had a couple appointments. And it was just, I, I love serving. And then I was on my way to the bank. I went to the bank, and I was going to run some errands for my wife. And after the bank, I had to go to the dentist's office to pay a bill. And I went in there, and I was talking pleasantly with the secretary. And I'm thinking, wow, Chris, you're, you're learning. And, and, uh, and I turned around, and there was a young man sitting there. And it, it, was, uh, it was Mason. You know Mason. And he's at, at the dentist appointment. I hadn't seen Mason in quite a long time, friend of my son John's and Jordan's. And so uh, I started visiting with him. And I thought, wow, Chris, you're, you're, you're not bad at this. And then I stepped outside the door, and 
I heard, I, I have never heard God say anything audibly to me in my life. But in my spirit, in my ear, in my heart, I heard, I love people. And I looked around and I thought, did, did I say I love people? Or did he say he loves people? Or did he just love people through me? Encountering the, re- the risen Jesus in everyday life. One of my uh, favorite things is to wake up in the morning. I do not wake up groggy. I wake up alive. And so usually I have to kind of leave the room because my wife is still sleeping. But occasionally we wake up at the same time and she begins to talk to me. And I, I noticed about a week or two weeks ago I could have been interpreted as really rude because I said to her just bluntly, you're interrupting. Because I wake up listening. I wake up alert. Isaiah 50 says, The sovereign Lord wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Psalm 50 says, The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. Psalm 3 says, To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep, and I awake because the Lord sustains me. Psalm 5, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation. So sometimes when I'm lying there, my wife, whether she realizes I'm asleep or awake, she starts talking to me. And it's beautiful, but it's not quite as beautiful as the voice of Jesus. And so I accidentally said, you're interrupting. And I was kind of probably short with you, honey. But I apologize, but you were interrupting. (laughs) The best moments of your day, maybe in the best moments of my day, is when he speaks. Think about when Jesus rose from the dead. One of the first words he said was Mary. Who do you look for? First he said, who are you looking for? Mary, woman. He knew her name. And of course he knew her name. But this is the woman who was, in, at one time in her life, she was a rat. She was a skunk. That's who Jesus cast out seven demons, it says, out of her life. We don't know whatever else she was involved in. But here, she's the first one. That Jesus says, Mary. And if you would listen and I would listen, I'm learning to listen that he knows your name. And if you would pay attention, if you would train your ear, if you would practice, you could hear him say your name. You could hear him give you direction throughout the day. If you're anything like me, you deal with uh, self-loathing and Maybe nobody in here knew, but I know that Karen's not here this morning, but one time she caught me after service out in the parking lot while I was beating myself up and allowing myself to be beat up by the one that Scripture says day and night that he accuses us, right? 
And the accuser of the brethren was working on me one day. And I, I get in these place of self-loathing. So I turn to the Word. And I'll read to you a couple of verses that have uh, God is impressing deeply and deeper all the time upon my heart. And the first one is in Romans 8. And there's many. But this is what it says in Romans 8.32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but willingly gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So God's trying to speak to us early in the morning. He's trying to show us throughout the day that he loves us. And he wants to remind us that if we think we're good and we give good gifts to our kids, he told them. If your kid asks for a piece of bread, you don't give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you don't give him a snake. And you who are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more would your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? In Zephaniah 3, it says, Do not let your hands hang limp. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago because this is the verse that God impressed upon my heart. I taped it to my headboard in my bed. I taped it to the living room window. It says, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. So I practice, I practice, I practice seeing good. I practice being an optimist to see God and to, to find him throughout the day. On Monday of this past week, there was a snowstorm, and some of you were probably pretty ticked off. But I love snowstorms, and I took a walk, and I was walking down the road, and it was about between Doreen's house and uh, the hill that's there in the road. It's a flat road, and it starts to take a hill. On um, what's the name of that street? Aspen Road. And it was a four pole snow. Okay, anybody know what a four pole snow is? If you stand with the, the telephone poles, you can only see four poles when it's snowing. That's a four pole snow. Those are just about good enough. I like a three pole, two pole is really coming down. But you could the the flakes were big and you could almost hear them, and so I stopped. And again, I did not hear an audible voice, but the Lord said, "Chris, do you know why it's snowing today?" So people would stop. So people would stop and hear my voice. So people would stop and take a time out of the rat race. You're crazy busy. I'm crazy busy. We're crazy busy. We're running down here like chickens with our heads cut off. What's the rat race for if we don't even hear and we don't take time to listen? And the resurrected Jesus is some old story that happened 2,000 years ago. Even though every one of us in here mark our birth date by the day of his life and death. 2,000 years later, he so marks us. Do we take time to stop and listen? To stop and smell the roses? I have a little young person in the neighborhood. 
I, I've been trying to build a relationship with, and it's actually working. And so uh, one night I was um, coming home, and I thought, you know what? I should go and go cut some wood with him because we've been cutting some wood together. And I forgot to even call to see if he was home. I was just excited to go over to his house. And so I'm a minute away, and I call the house. Oh, he's not home, and he's not going to be home. I said, well, that's okay. I'm almost there. And so I pull into the yard, and lo and behold, the father came out. And we spent the next hour and a half, two hours, cutting wood together. And it was, uh, can wood cutting be described as awesome? We had, we, I, I, I walked away from there, you know, because I didn't have time to prep. And, and maybe this will help you, is uh, sometimes we get all caught up in ourselves, Like we're these Christian people and we got to go witness. And if I don't talk about Jesus, I'll be a failure. I'll be miserable and I'll fail God. And how can I show God I even love him if I don't talk about him? So I go in and cut wood for an hour and a half. And when we're done, we're shaking hands. And the Lord is saying, I, I loved him. And I'm thinking, what? So I'm driving away, and he goes, Chris, you didn't even mention my name, but we loved him, didn't we? We loved him. We loved him. And I'm going, yes, yes. Do you see what happened? I wanted to be alone. I want to be by myself. I want to be with the animals. And God said, no. I like animals too, but I made people in my image. And they need simple people. And they need people like you to just go hang out with them. And just pay attention. And just listen. So this week as I was pondering the significance of the resurrection. I ran into a song. And my wife knows this. I, I don't sleep much at night anyway because I'm waiting. Maybe. Maybe I'm learning to listen. If you wake up in the middle of the night, just before you fall asleep, listen. And so this song has been going over and over in my head because there was a young person, 12 years old, staying at our house off and on over the last while. And she was learning this song. She doesn't live with her mom because of different reasons. But here's how the song goes. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so good to me. When I felt no worth... You paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. There's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me, 
There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's a lot of scripture, theology in that song. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about the wandering sheep, the one that wandered off, and how the shepherd left the 99 to find the one. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Yet he still gave himself away. The Father gave the Son that we might live. And the last thing that has just been overwhelming this past week, as I think about what Jesus has done, that he came as a king, and he rode into town on the foal of a donkey. And he came as a king, and he was killed. What kind of king is that? It's an upside-down kingdom with an upside-down king who comes to seek and save that which is lost, who comes to get underneath people and lift them up, not cast them down, to, to lift them up, to build them up. And I took a simple piece of paper and I drew a cross in the middle, and I know you can't see this, but I made two simple columns. I put the cross in the middle, and I just asked myself, what's the difference between these two kingdoms? Because the scripture tells me that he has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of his dear son. From light, or from darkness to light, from death to light, from being alienated to being reconciled, to being overlooked, to being adopted to being blamed and shamed, to being redeemed, from being forsaken to being rescued, from being abandoned to having His atonement, from being rejected to being chosen, from being ripped off to being enriched, from being unknown to being known, to be from excluded to included, from being separated to being connected. And so these two kingdoms, so I wake up in the morning and I realize we, not just me, but we, we have a choice every day because of the power and the authority of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a choice in a sense. Will we allow his life to apprehend us? Will we allow his life to own us or will we keep him at a distance? Some plastic Jesus, we may read about him in Scripture, but we don't expect him to lead and guide us in our day-to-day lives. We don't expect him to be loving in and through us in our day-to-day lives. Well, let me tell you, that's just not so. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He wants to love in you and through you. And if you will listen... 
you will hear his still small voice calling you up out of yourself into the lives of others to be his hands and feet in our community, in our marriages, in our families. So he moved us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We went from being lost to being found. It says that he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He seated us in him in the heavenly realms. So my wife hears this phrase a lot too. Honey, we just don't have any problems. Sometimes it doesn't make things good, guys. Choose wisely when to say that, okay? That's not the, there's moments. I'm learning, aren't I? Do a little better. But I'm learning that there's moments not to say we just don't have any problems. But in the bigger picture, in the light of eternity, in the light of the fact that the king has won, death is finished. What can be a problem? Your worst enemy is self and death. And Jesus took it to the grave and he conquered and he rose from the grave. And he said, if we put our faith in him, we are raised to new life. And it's his life in us. It's eternal. It's full. So lift up your droopy hands, it says. The king has come. The king has conquered. And now we live in this in-between time, between the now and the not yet. The kingdom has come. It is coming. And it will come. But if we wake up and we say, well, today I'm just going to mope. Um, that's in the kingdom of darkness. We all have bad days. We all have bad days. But to choose to complain, to choose to slander, to choose to reject goodness, joy, mercy, love, peace, just because we want to hear our own voice, is to not recognize what He's done. He has given us by His power, and his authority that he wrecked the kingdom of darkness. It does not own us. It does not rule us. It cannot have us. We have a risen Savior, Jesus. There's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down coming after me. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. He sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost, that we might have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I found out this year, I just turned 55, and I realized that at 55, you're fully alive. That's when it starts. I'm like going, wow, I can't wait to get to 80. I mean, is it, is it like this? But it's choice, isn't it? It's a choice. 
what should I say, 55 and half in the grave? 55 and life's over? Or 55 and Jesus is just getting my attention? Lord, wake me up earlier. We're missing something. I forgot to mention, in closing, the other day, remember I told you I shook my wife awake because that verse was just pounding through my head. This verse in Zephaniah. Don't let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. Honey, honey, wake up. God is waiting for us to wake up because He delights in us. He can't wait to see what's going to unfold through this day. And He wants to come to school and see you teach. Because when you teach, He's thrilled. Because she's a teacher. And then, you know what I did? I went to school that day. I forgot to tell you that. I went to school that day so I could see what he saw. He's right. Jesus is alive, my friends. Jesus rose from the dead, and he's alive. He's not alive because you believe it. He's waiting for you to recognize what's already true. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He knows your name. He knows every hair on your head. He wants you to join him because he's created you to be his workmanship. And he's got some painting to do. He's got some building to do. He's got some people to love. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray that you continue to open our ears, open our eyes to see the glory and the wonder of who you are, what you have for us each day. Who could imagine? what you can do in the life of one person who would really believe, who would really trust, who would learn, who would even take a risk and say, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who's just been existing. but they haven't come fully alive because they haven't put their faith and their trust and their hope in you, and they've been trying to build their own life. They've been trying to prop it up, and it's getting tougher and tougher, and it's falling out all over the place. And all they would have to do is realize that they built their house on the sand instead of on the rock, Jesus. And as they continue to try to prop it up, as we try to prop it up, It'll continue to sift through and we'll miss life in you. You are alive, Jesus. You have conquered death. You have given us new life as we put our faith in you. Help us to trust you. Help us to learn to trust you. And help us to hear your still small voice. In Jesus' precious name, amen.